Blog Talk Radio. Again, it's a pleasure to have you with us this Sunday evening. I'm your host, Barbara Chahuni Wesley Gray, speaking to you live from New York City. And this is December 8th, 2013, at 6.30 on your dial. Again, I thank you so much for sharing your evening with us. And um, I really look forward to uh, sharing some thoughts with you about the, uh, the life of Nelson Mandela. But before I begin, as always, we give homage and praise to the One Most High God. We give praise and thanks to our ancestors. Uh, we give thanks to all of you, including my mother-in-law, my dear wife, my daughter, all of my siblings and relatives and friends of you throughout the world on CyberNet and also who have shared this journey with me on this earth and this incarnation. I give thanks. So, again, thank you for joining us, and without any further ado, um, I would just like to uh, quote, this was emailed to me by a good friend of mine, uh, a Brother um, um, Najari, and it's, quote, the revolution that Nelson Mandela dedicated his life to achieving so many years ago has not yet been completed. Nelson Mandela was nothing less than the preeminent strategist, moral guide, and military commander of the forces that attempted to carry out that revolution. He played his role, and what a tremendous role he played. So let us honor his memory by striving to complete that sacred revolution, unquote. And I may add that this is a spiritual revolution more so than any other type of revolution. Uh, this quote was made by David S. Kosmingon, president of the Clement Payne Movement and chairman of the Caribbean Pan-African Network. Aluta continua victoria acertis. The struggle continues. Indeed, I can recall uh, not too long ago uh, my speaking with Brother uh, uh, Baba G2 Iusi, who passed away in May of uh, the 22nd of May of this year, 2013. And I happened to be driving by and saw him waiting at a bus stop and invited him um, on, into my car. And I told him that, you know, I asked where he was going. He said he was going home, which, which wasn't too long or too far, rather, from where I picked him up. And upon driving him in front of his home, I um, found myself speaking with him, and, and, and we just got into this, you know, a very heartfelt conversation. Uh, it lasted for almost an hour. 
And one of the things that I wanted to share, we were talking basically about our life's journey and our friendship and how throughout the years we have been in support of one, one another. And I could not help but thank him for one of the things that I remembered about his uh, having an effect in my life was the fact that when um, Nelson Mandela was invited to New York City after his election uh, as president, the first African president of South Africa, I didn't realize how much of an important part he played in that event. Uh, along with him, with uh, uh, the Deputy Mayor Bill Lynch, uh, as he was uh, persuaded, uh, Mayor Dinkins at the time, Mayor David Dinkins, the first African-American mayor of, of New York City, that they were so instrumental in, uh, in working together and collaborating and uh, persuading the uh, associates and assistants uh, of Nelson Mandela that he should visit New York. And from what I understand, I cannot have this is not etched in stone, but it appeared that not only did he come to New York uh, with a commitment, but he was committed by the encouragement of G2 UC, Baba G2, to come to Brooklyn specifically because of the fact that Brooklyn uh, contained the most populous uh, group of, of of people who of African descent throughout their diaspora. Uh, Brooklyn has the representation of having the most populous of any city, any uh, part of the United States. So he came to um, Boys and Girls High here in Brooklyn, and I virtually um, asked if I would be interested in becoming a marshal. So I did not have the pleasure of meeting uh, uh, Baba Nelson uh, Mandela, but I did see him as he drove by in a um, in a caravan and and waved at him, and uh, he was waving at all of us. So I can't say that he specifically acknowledged my wave, but uh, it was quite a, an experience uh, for me to just make that connection and to really become emboldened and, 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 and with the concept of, that I was truly an African man uh, who was part of the struggle, who continues to be part of the struggle in terms of, of the freedom of our people throughout the world and to strive to uh, have justice, um, the, uh, a, a realization on all levels uh, in terms of our experience and wherever we may happen to live. So uh, I, I definitely, you know, feel humbled to be able to even have this featured, uh, the life of Nelson Mandela, uh, uh, part of his life to be featured uh, on this show. And uh, indeed, he passed away last Thursday, and that's uh, December 5th of 2013. And it was quite an experience uh, of us uh, who heard about it, uh, to grieve, but also to celebrate his life. Um, we sent our uh, prayers and, and heartfelt uh, condolences to uh, the Mandela family and to the brothers and sisters in South Africa who uh, benefited from his uh, leadership. So uh, to, quote, to quote something that was uh, made by President Obama, um, 
and his uh, delivery, his remarks on the passing of former South African uh, President Nelson Mandela. Uh, quote, the President states that we will not likely see the likes of Nelson Mandela again. So it falls to us as best we can to forward the example that he set to make decisions guided by not by hate, but by love, to never discount the difference that one person can make and to strive for a future that is worthy of his sacrifice, unquote. And um, that says a lot. Uh, it's unique, though, that indeed the President of the United States, who is a African-American and whose father was born in Africa, in Kenya, uh, would be able to actually... Uh, pay homage to the first African president of South Africa. That's something that's very significant in so many ways and in so many layers and so many aspects. Uh, the White House also says that President Barack Obama and the First Lady Michelle Obama will attend a Tuesday memorial service in South Africa honoring Nelson Mandela. And uh, the, state, the service will take place at a stadium in Johannesburg um, yeah, Obama's will be accompanied on Air Force One by President George Bush and his wife Laura Bush, former President Bill Clinton and Secretary of State Hillary Clinton, along with former President Jimmy Carter, who will also attend memorials for Mandela in South Africa. And a state of uh, the state funeral for Mandela will take place December 15th in the anti-apartheid leader's hometown. And I must state that uh, uh, Barbara Mandela lived a fruitful life and, and died at the age uh, of 95. So, indeed, today the United States has lost a close friend um, in the proclamation that President Obama makes that South Africa lost an incomparable liberator and the world has lost an inspiration for freedom, justice, and human dignity. Nelson Mandela is no longer with us, but he belongs to the ages. He achieved more than could be expected of any man, and his own struggle inspired others to believe in the promise of a better world and the righteousness of reconciliation. Uh, I must state that my wife has a site on Facebook that deals with forgiveness, and um, I, I might have mentioned it to her, but I thought about uh, about her website or her page dealing with concentrating on forgiveness. And I thought about those people who have impressed me with that particular uh, mindset, and Nelson Mandela came to mind. We, I don't think we had a conversation about that, but I think that will be one that will be had um, in the future on the page and through conversation uh, as we continue our journey. But uh, as um, the President Obama mentions, that uh, he transformed tra South Africa through the righteous orientation and uh, commitment towards reconciliation and moved the entire world in his journey from being a prisoner to a president embodied the promise that human beings and countries can change for the better. His commitment to transfer power and reconcile with those who jailed him set an example that all humanity should aspire to, whether in the life of nations of our own personal lives. And while we mourn his loss, we will forever honor Nelson Mandela's memory. 
you left behind a, a South Africa that is free and at peace with itself, uh, a close friend and a partner of the United States. Uh, his memory will be kept in the hearts of billions who have been lifted up by the power of his example. We will not see the likes of Nelson Mandela again, and it falls to us to carry forth the example that he set to make decisions guided not by hate but by love, to never discount the differences that one person can make, and to strive for a future that is worthy of his sacrifice. So for now, let us pause and give thanks for the fact that Nelson Mandela lived, a man who took history in his hands and bent the arc of the moral universe towards justice. As a mark of respect for the memory of Nelson Mandela by the authority vested in me as President of the United States by the Constitution and laws of the United States of America, I hereby order the flag of the United States shall be flown at half-staff at the White House and upon all public buildings and grounds, at all military posts and naval stations and all naval vessels of the federal government and the District of Columbia and throughout the United States and its territories and possessions until sunset, December 9, 2013. I also direct that the flag shall be flown at half-staff for the same list of time at all United States embassies, legations, consular offices, and other facilities abroad, including all military facilities and naval vessels and stations. In witness whereof, I hereto set my hand this fifth day of December in the year of our Lord, 2013, of the independence of the United States of America, the 238th, signed Barack Obama. So, again, uh, I'm just humbled by the life of, uh, of Nelson Mandela, who was born on uh, July 18th, 1918, in Mavitso-Tansky, South Africa, and becoming actively involved in the anti-apartheid movement in his 20s. Um, I must mention that during the time back in the 90s, I was the chairman of the New York chapter of Jazz Educators, and one of the, uh, the members of uh, the... Uh, um, of the faculty, uh, was involved with the ACN movement, the uh, African National Congress. And he invited me to a meeting somewhere in the village area of New York City, downtown New York. And I went to that meeting, and I became um, very much uh, excited and, and, and very interested in this concept called apartheid. Um, the excitement was, I must say, one of uh, not uh, in terms of high excitement of, of joy, but of sadness uh, more so than anything else. But I was excited to be able to be educated about what was happening in Africa that really was so important in terms of uh, an organization such as ANC to um, be so proactive in freeing this man named Nelson Mandela and his associates and partners and comrades. And um, I became uh, a member for a short time, uh, an active one, and, and um, was really educated about the importance of understanding the plight of our brothers and sisters in, in, in Mother Africa 
that indeed a lot of injustices had remained even after our civil rights movement um, having gained uh, traction in terms of the freedom of African Americans being able to vote uh, with our women in our community being treated uh, more justly. And there's still a lot of work to be done, of course, we know, in terms of um, equality with pay and and also uh, respect. So it's just, you know, quite a bit that goes to my mind when I think of uh, the, the, um, the strength and courage that Nelson Mandela uh, exuded. For two, 20 years, he directed a campaign of peaceful non-involvement, uh, non-violent defiance against the South African government and its racist policies. And then in 1993, uh, uh, Nelson and South African President F.W. de Klerk was jointly awarded the Nobel Peace Prize for their efforts to dismantle the country's apartheid system. And um, in 1994, Nelson Mandela was inaugurated as South Africa's first black president. Nelson Mandela, though, was he was born... Uh, his given name was Rohilila Mandela, and he was born July 18, 1918, in a tiny village of Masviso on the banks of the Masasi River in Transkei, South Africa. And uh, Molehala in the Zoyosho language literally means pulling the branch of a tree, or more commonly translated as troublemaker. And indeed, Nelson Mandela became... Uh, not necessarily a troublemaker, but he definitely uh, caused uh, people, the white community uh, in South Africa, to come to terms uh, with their practice of apartheid. Um, Nelson Mandela's father, who was uh, destined to be a chief, he served as a counselor to tribal chiefs for several years but lost both his title and fortune over a dispute with the local colonial magistrate. And Mandela was only an infant at the time, and his father's loss of status forced his mother to move the family to Kunu, South Africa, an even smaller village north of Masiso. The village was nestled in a narrow grassy valley uh, that had no roads and only footpaths that linked the pastures where livestock grazed and the family lived in huts, and ate a local harvest of mazi, sorghum, pumpkin, and beans, which was all they could afford. And water came from springs and streams, and cooking was done outdoors. And Mandela, as a young boy, he played games with young boys, acting out male rites of passage scenarios and with toys he made from the natural materials available, including tree branches and clay. And uh, those of you who are listening for the first time, um, and those who've actually listened in the past, I have a show um, going back to uh, 2010, uh, I think the month of October, where I, you can go to the archives where I interview Maladome Some, and he talks about rites of passage and how important that was for him as a young man and all the boys that grew up in his village. And that's something that I want to feature in future shows. And, and really this expound about, upon the importance of us establishing those of us who live here in the United States 
and are of African descent especially need to incorporate a rites of passage. And indeed, this should be something that should be incorporated throughout the uh, community at large uh, so that indeed young men and women can be uh, uh, given a foundation in terms of how to live their life. So when Nelson Mandela was nine years old, his father died of lung disease and causing his life to change dramatically. He was adopted by uh, a chief, a chief young and taba, Dalin Yagu, the acting region of the Thindu people at that time. And a gesture was done as a favor to Mandela's father, who years earlier had recommended Yangu Tataba to be chief. So Mandela, he subsequently left the carefree life he knew in Kunu, featuring that, uh, actually fearing that he would never see his village again, he traveled by motor car to uh, Maksatuswini, the provincial capital of uh, Timbuktu land. Uh, and then he went from there to the chief's royal residence. Though he had not forgotten his beloved village of Kuni, he quickly adopted to the new, more sophisticated surroundings of uh, Massasuvigny. Mandela was given the same status and responsibilities of the regent's two other children, his son and oldest child, Justice, and daughter, Monofu, and Mandela took classes in a one-room school next to the palace. And he studied English, Zasu, history, and geography. And I uh, just wanted to give you a brief overview of his earlier years. Um, Mandela was very blessed in so many ways by uh, the Most High and, and, of course, the ancestors uh, by being nurtured even after his father passed on, uh, he was, uh, through this chief, uh, sent to a uh, traditional African circumcision ritual to mark his interest into manhood. And the ceremony of circumcision was not just a surgical procedure, but an elaborate ritual in preparation for manhood. In the African tradition, an uncircumcised man cannot inherit his father's wealth, marry, or indeed officiate in tribal rituals. So Mandela participated in the ceremony with 25 other boys, and he welcomed the opportunity to partake, partake in his people's customs and felt ready to make the transition from boyhood to manhood. And his mood shifted, shifted during the proceedings. However, when the chief, Meling Fly, uh, the main speaker at the ceremony, spoke sadly of the young man, explaining that they were enslaved in their own country because their land was controlled by a white man, they would never have the power to govern themselves, the chief said. And he went on to lament, uh, lament about the promise of the young man who would be squandered as they struggled to make a living and perform mindless chores for a white men in South Africa. And Mandela would later say that the white chief's words didn't make total sense to him at the time, and they would eventually formulate his resolve for an independent South Africa. So... Um, from that time, Mandela came under the guardianship of Regent John Gustavo, and he was groomed to assume high office back in those years, those early years. And that was high office, not as a chief, but a counselor to one. As Timbu royalty, royalty Mandela attended a Wesleyan mission school, the Cloxbury Boarding Institute, 
and Wesleyan College, where he would later state he achieved academic success through plain hard work. He also excelled at track and boxing, and Mandela was initially marked as a country boy by his Wesleyan classmates, but eventually became friends with several students, including Mathona, his first female friend. I must smile as I mention the name Wesleyan College because as those of you know, my um, name, part of my name is Wesley. And so there is this, uh, this spiritual connection that I have and cerebral connection that I have as I uh, share with you the earlier years of Baba uh, Nelson Mandela. In 1939, uh, Mandela enrolled in the University College of Fort Harris the only residential center of higher learning for blacks in South Africa at the time. And Fort Hare was considered Africa's equivalent to the University of Oxford or Harvard University, drawing scholars from all parts of sub-Saharan Africa. And in his first year at the university, Mandela took the required courses but focused on Roman Dutch law to prepare for a career in civil service as an interpreter or clerk and regarded as the best profession that a black man could obtain at the time. In his second year at Fort Hare, Mandela was elected to the Student Representative Council for some time, and students had been dissatisfied with the food and lack of power held by SRC. And during this election, a majority of students voted to boycott unless their demands were met, and aligning with the student majority, Mandela resigned from his position. Seeing this as an act of insubordination, the university's Dr. Kerr expelled Mandela for the rest of the year and gave him an ultimatum. Either he could return to the school if he agreed to serve on the SRC. When Mandela returned home, the regent was furious, telling him unequivocally that he would have to recant his decision and go back to school in the fall. So we're now going to talk about, and we will continue in the next show, about Mandela's imprisonment. A few years after Mandela's return home, Regent John Gutalba announced that he had arranged a marriage for his adopted son, and the regent wanted to make sure that Mandela's life was properly planned, and the arrangement was within his right as tribal custom dictated. Shocked by the news and feeling trapped and believing that he had no other option than to follow his, regent, his recent order, Mandela ran away from home. He settled in Johannesburg, where he worked with a variety of jobs, including as a guard and a clerk. While completing his bachelor's degree via correspondence courses, he then enrolled at the University of Witwatersrand in Johannesburg to study law. And then Nelson Mandela soon became actively involved in the anti-apartheid movement, joining the African National Congress in 1942. And within the ANC, a small group of young Africans banded together, calling themselves the African National Congress Youth League. And their goal, their goal was to transform the ANC into a mass grassroots movement, deriving strength from millions of rural peasants and working people who had no voice under the current regime 
Specifically, the group believed that the ANC's old tactics of polite petitioning were ineffective. And in 1949, the ANC officially adopted the Youth League's method of boycott, strike, civil disobedience, and non-cooperation with policy goals of full citizenship, redistribution of land, trade union rights, and free and compulsory education of all children. For 20 years, Mandela directed peaceful nonviolent acts of defying the South African government and its racist policies, including the 1952 defiance campaign and the 1955 Congress of the People. He founded the law firm Mandela and Tambo, partnering with, with Oliver Tambo, a brilliant student he'd met while attending Fort Hare. The, the law firm provided free and low-cost legal counsel to unrepresented blacks. And we will continue next week from where I left you off, and I would be remiss if I didn't acknowledge my wife just walking into the studio. How are you doing, honey? I'm doing great. This was a great episode. Oh, I'm so happy that you listened and uh, you heard. I didn't know that you were in, in the in the area. Yes, I uh, just got here. Wonderful. Well, uh, indeed, uh, we're going to continue next week um, with the episode. And uh, as a matter of fact, not next week. I, I Yes, okay, next week at 6.30 we will continue. But uh, uh, there may be a way in which we can also cover more during the weekdays that would be announced. But those of you who visited the um, chat room, I appreciate your visit. And those of you who um, called in, um, I, I thank all of you for, uh, as always, for sharing your things with us. So stay tuned next week. And as always, I end as I begin by giving praise and homage to the One Most High, uh, to our ancestors, to uh, my beloved wife, to my um, my beloved. Uh, mother-in-law and all of my siblings, my daughter, and all of you who are cyber friends throughout the world and those of you who have shared your life with me in this journey on earth and this incarnation, I give thanks. Um, namaste. As-salamu alaykum. Bo, All my relations. Peace and love to all of you and have a prosperous and healthy and blessed week.